0: With the first spring training games beginning in two days on March 1st, here's Charlie Brown on the pitcher's mound and Lucy coming up and asking a question. Hey, manager, how come our team never wins any awards? We never even get our names on the sports page. Why are we playing? What do we get out of all this? And Charlie Brown says, we get the wonderful satisfaction of a job well done. And Lucy goes away with her head down and says, I feel sick. (laughs) I wonder if most of you can relate to something that happens in typical households from time to time. One of the children badgers a parent for something And when they finally have worn them down, the one being worked on will say in exasperation, Well, if I give it to you or do it for you, will you be satisfied? And of course, they quickly say, yes, but we usually learn it doesn't last for long. Many years ago, Oscar Wilde had a character say, in this world, there are two tragedies. One is not getting what you want, and the other is getting it. Those of you who listened to rock music back in the 60s and 70s may recall a song written by Mick Jagger of the Rolling Stones, I Can't get no All right, I guess you were listening. Okay And I think that pretty well says what many people have felt generation after generation as part of human nature to feel to feel filled and unfulfilled to be satisfied at one level and yet unsatisfied at another. Where is true, deep satisfaction in our lives? Certainly the advertising business is built upon our need to be satisfied. How many products have you used that make the incredible claim, satisfaction guaranteed? And it's amazing how we want guarantees in life as though the guarantee will provide the satisfaction. At times, it's tempting to want guarantees from God. John Updike has a short story which centers around a young man who struggles with his rejection of his childhood religious faith. One night, while lying in bed, he decides upon a kind of last-ditch test. He lifts his hands into the darkness and he puts them above his face and he begs God to touch them. He asks only for the faintest of contact, saying that would be enough for an entire lifetime. So his hands wait in the air. And then he feels something. But he's not sure whether it's just the movement of the air the pressure of his pulse, or an actual touch. Our text this morning addresses the source of satisfaction when Philip says to Jesus, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. I remember a little boy who was looking at a picture of his absent father and he turned to his mom and he said I wish dad would step out of that picture and how many children have felt that sometime in their lives that little boy expressed in his own way one of the deepest hopes of the deepest souls through the ages that God the heavenly father the heavenly mother Would be revealed to the world. Lord, show us the Father, and then we'll be satisfied. Philip had a great need for proof. He wanted a direct vision of God over and above the revelation of God. He wanted direct proof. He was like the unbeliever who settles only for faith with facts, visible facts, which is a contradiction in terms. Our faith is not based on provable facts, but that phenomenon is nothing new. Many of the people who saw Jesus during his earthly life saw nothing more than a carpenter who was from the hick town of Nazareth. Well, this brings us to the truth of Jesus. In response to Philip's request to see the Father and thus be satisfied, Jesus says, Have I been with you so darn long, Philip, and yet you don't even know me? The one who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does this work. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. And if you need proof, believe me For the sake of the works themselves. The things I've done. Simply put. Jesus is asking Philip. To risk believing that he is who he says he is. And as we look to Jesus. We too are asked the same question. Will we really believe him? It's amazing what you can see. With eyes of faith. I have come to know in an unprovable way, that the eyes of faith can see far more than the limitations of physical eyesight. For such seeing makes all the difference. And I suspect that most of us, when we are really honest with ourselves, have seen more than we let on. I bet you've seen more than you've let on. Will you take a risk and believe me, asks Jesus. Because risking leads to responding. Risking to believe leads to responding in faith. Let's return to our text, picking it up at the 12th verse. Truly, I say to you, the one who believes in me will also do the works That I do, and greater works than these will that one do, because I go to the Father, and whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. That the Father may be glorified in the Son, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. And if you love me, you will keep my commandments. This statement of Jesus seems, well, it just seems incredible. We'll do the works Jesus did. And even greater works than these we will do? That seems like an awfully tall order to fill. What he's saying is that the combined community of faith, the church, if you will, will do greater things in furthering God's ongoing purposes. We cannot even begin to conceive of all the combined good, that people of faith over the generations have done for others in the world and in the name of Christ. And Jesus says in the next verse, whatever you ask, it's qualified. He doesn't say you can just ask for whatever you want. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. That the Father may be glorified in the Son, and if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Anything, Anything as I said for Jesus' sake. You see, asking in Christ's name is not the same as asking for selfish petitions. Rather, it is putting our will in accordance with God's will. We say it every week in the Lord's Prayer Thy will be done, thy will be done. Not my will, but thy will be done. Jesus himself said it in the garden. When He was under enormous pressure and stress. He finally said, Father, not my will, but your will be done. When we ask, therefore, in Christ's name, in accordance with God's purpose, we are promised that the power which was at work in Jesus will also be at work in our lives as well. And that's why most of our prayers, I mentioned this a few weeks ago, most of our prayers end with something like, In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's so that we're aligning our requests with what Jesus would ask for, not what we would out of our own selfish motivations. Because it is then that we are filtering all of those requests through the lens of Christ's perspective. So responding in faith means keeping Christ's commandments. And of course, we all know that that great commandment is love. Love one another. If you love me, he says, you will keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells in you and will be with you. And I will not leave you Orphaned, I will come to you. Those are incredible words if you stop and think about it. God will give us an advocate, a counselor. The Greek word is paraclete. And it means helper and provider of inner strength. Provider of inner strength. This paraclete brings inspiration and helps to revive and invigorate us in the inner person. I will not leave you an orphan, alone. And boy, there are times when we all feel alone. And the promise is we won't be left alone. I'm coming to you. So risking and then responding lead to revealing. Risking to believe and responding in faith leads to a revealing presence. God's identity and God's intentions for our lives are revealed in the person of Jesus. Jesus is the revealer. Last week, we explored one of his other identities throughout this entire Lenten season. We're looking at different faces of Christ, different ways of being teacher, shepherd, healer next week. Today, it's revealer. Jesus is the revealer. The miracle of Christ is that he has enabled people with eyes of faith and only with eyes of faith to see the invisible God, to know the transcendent source of all being. And this is an amazing truth. For you see, many people spend their lives searching for God, thinking that if they can only find God, they'll be satisfied. But the astonishing news is that God is, comes to be with us. God is searching for us more than we are searching for God. Revelation can be defined as the free and effective act of God's communication in Jesus Christ. God is seeking us. And what is offered to us in Revelation the one who reveals is not truth concerning God but it is God himself it is simply God himself hear these words from our text from Revelation then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more and I saw the holy city new Jerusalem coming down from heaven, from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling of God is with people. Not up there. The dwelling of God is with people. God will dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. God does not set up an obstacle course that we should try to find him. No, God seeks to come and to be with us. To find us when we're lost, to take us when we've been hurt, and to wipe away all the tears From our eyes. Jesus embodies a God who loves us, cares for us, suffers with us, is patient with us, and compassionate. That, dear friends, is an amazing God who loves us that much. Our faith through Christ allows us fellowship, true relationship. With God. I know a man who in dying was calling for his heavenly father. He was calling for this fellowship with God. He was longing for something far beyond death. Something to be known and seen with the eyes of faith. Risking. Responding. And revealing. Risking to believe. Believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. And then responding in faith. Truly, truly, I say to you, the one who believes in me will also do the works I do. Responding. These things lead to a revealing presence. I will not leave you orphaned. But I will come to you. I will be with you. When we ask ourselves, who are we really living for? We need to know that when the answer is ourselves. We will never be fully satisfied. Self-satisfaction always passes away. It's fleeting. But if as our faith leads us, we can answer that we live for others and God because such love-directed living has been revealed to us, then we have a satisfaction that cannot be taken from us. Risking to truly believe in Jesus as God's own self-expression and then responding in faith by following Jesus' commandment to love one another leads to a revealing presence. Now, I I have sensed in my life, and I suspect you have too, That presence that God is alive and well in the world. It happens when we open the eyes of faith. We can see that God is truly alive and truly well in our world. Sometimes it's hard to see. It doesn't seem like God is there at all. But when you grasp it, when you glimpse it, you have that aha, yes, That's it. God is here. God has not abandoned us. God has not orphaned us. God is here to be and to live with us. And so as we affirm the source of satisfaction, of real satisfaction today, I'm reminded of the words of St. Augustine of so long ago. For you, O Lord, Have formed us for yourself. And our hearts are restless. Till they find their rest in thee. Whether we are running from this. Or toward that. Whether we are resting at night. Or resting during the day. Whether we are frenetic with energy and activity. Or doing all the things we think we're supposed to do. Doesn't matter. Whether we're at the end of our life. Seeking. God's satisfaction. Is for us. The true source. Of satisfaction. Let us rise and express and affirm our faith as we share this great hymn to Christ as found in Philippians chapter 2. He, although he was in the divine form, did not think equality with God a thing to be grasped, but surrendered his rank and took the role of a servant, becoming like the rest of humankind and appearing in a human role he humbled himself in an obedience that went so far as to die. For this God raised him to the highest honor and conferred upon him the highest rank of all, that at Jesus' name every knee should bow and that every tongue should own that Jesus Christ is Lord.